Hello, my lovers. You are listening to episode 86 of the Devil Times 5 Horror Podcast, and this month we'll be looking at terrible twosomes, killer couples, deadly duos, poisonous paramours, malicious misters and missuses, savage sweethearts, lethal lovers, murderous marrieds, pernicious partners, homicidal heterosexuals, fatal fuck buddies, bloodthirsty breeders, vicious valentines, and ruthless Romeos and Juliets. Five of the above, anyway. I'm Cliff, and I'm joined by my partners in crime, Simon and Emily. Hello. Hello. That was quite impressive. That was an impressive list of of, uh, descriptors and nouns and that. Later on, we'll be opening our horror help desk again. We'll be giving you the chance to win exclusive Devil Times 5 merch in our ominous audio competition. Plus, we've got another new feature coming up straight after an old classic. Highs and lows. So, Simon, what have you been watching in the last few weeks? Uh, I don't think I've watched a single horror film other than um, what we've had to watch. But, I mean... If you consider the Holocaust uh, a time of horror, then uh, I did watch The Zone of Interest, uh, which was very uh-huh. good, very um, disturbing, amazing sort of audio escape of, you know, the sort of setup it's set in the very nice palatial villa of the uh, Commandant. Uh, and they have a lovely life there, apart from they're basically right next to Auschwitz. No, well, they don't mind. They're having a grand time. In fact, she doesn't want to leave. She's like, God, even when he's been transferred, she's like, can I just stay at Auschwitz, please? It's everything we love. Which was um very, very disturbing. Brilliantly done. Never seen anything quite like it. Jonathan Glazer directed it. And um, yeah. Mika Levy. Mika Levy, uh, so they barely had any score, apart from just at the beginning, the middle and the end, where it's just like, just screeching. Really good screeching. I'm not convinced Mika Levy knows how to play the violin. No? Well, the evidence, no. the evidence is... You make a hell of an impressive racket with it, though. Yeah. Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah, so the violin screeching over the screams. Well, I went during the day on a Monday and it was totally sold out. And everyone there, apart from maybe me and three other people, were retirement age plus. And those women mm-hmm. sat next to me. And um, at one point, Hurst, the uh, commandant of Auschwitz, goes for a <laughs> goes for a medical. She hadn't said anything during this whole whole film. Um, and uh, the the doctor asks Hurst, uh, "How many bowel movements do you have every day?" And he says two. And she went, ooh. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if she was like jealous of him or thought, that's a bit too far, that is. I mean, <laughs> there's been some things in this film, but asking a fellow about his bowel movements, I don't think, I don't think yeah, that's on. The line has been crossed now. Yeah, the it. line's been crossed, yeah. Well, maybe she thought two was just too many. Maybe she's one of those once a week people. Or maybe she's also a two person and she's thinking, does that make me the same as the Nazis? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Am I pooing like a Nazi? Well, that's the that's the message of the film is that we're all so similar to Nazis, you know, especially yeah. the ones with two bowel movements a day. That's how you know. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Amazing. How's it compared to Ilsa Shewolf the SS? I've never seen Ilsa Shewolf the SS. You know, I imagine it's just as tasteful. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to do a Nazi episode one day. Oh, really? Episode eighty-eight's coming up. <laughs> oh God! No! 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 <laughs> Emily. Uh, okay, I've got two highs. I've been, I've had a, I've had the flu recently, so I've been a little bit kind of spaced out. And for some reason, my way of dealing with this is to make all my viewing documentaries. First of all, just come up on Shudder. There's um, Argento Panico, which is mm. about Dario Argento. It sort of follows him being grumpy in a hotel where he's locked himself away to write a new film. And it's an excuse to talk about his oeuvre and his history and his biography and so on and so on. 
Yeah, it's, it's quite interesting. I suppose if you're, if you're a fan, you don't find out an enormous amount that's new. They've got a few talking heads in terms of other directors, but also people that worked on the movies. My one small criticism with it is that the subtitles are, well, it's doing that classic thing that I've only ever seen whenever we've watched like dodgy Italian films from the 80s, where someone talks for five minutes and then you get three lines of subtitles. So maybe watch it with someone who speaks Italian and they can tell you what people are actually saying. But it's um, it's an interesting watch. There's a lovely bit of archive footage of um, Argento and Dario Nicolodi where he's talking about some serious things and he's quoting Dante. Um, the whole thing is completely ruined by a small ginger kitten that appears on the table and they can't stop laughing. <laughs> it's kind of gone in like it's a sort of chorus girl who's gone, here's my moment for my solo. So it's rolling around and it's that's adorable. I didn't like that documentary. I thought it was very bland. I would have liked more on So Why Does Everyone Say Your Most Recent Films, as in three quarters of your life's work is shit. <laughs> Whatever I'd love the first quarter. They don't mention a lot of the later ones at all, or they might just mention the name of it and then just kind of like, yeah, moving on. And then this one happened. Anyway. Yeah. Um, it was okay. There was kind of hints at more interesting stuff going on. His kind of life story is quite interesting. Like, I didn't know he was a Nepo baby. His dad was a producer. And his mum's job was to take photos of movie stars. So he had this whole thing about, I would sit in the corner of the room and do my homework. And my mum was taking photos of Sophia Loren which is a hell of an anecdote, whether it's true or not. And also, Lamberto Barva's got the most amazing voice. He could say literally any old shit, and it just sounds really musical and lovely. And just like, oh, there's Lamberto. Come and say something really trite about how you enjoyed the film again. I think he and Argento and Michaela Suave have all aged well. I think they look better than they used to. Yes, that's all the Bertolli, isn't it? Remember that ad for Bertolli? Like, why do the Italians <laughs> like, age so well? What? They go, yeah. hello, I used to be a minger, but now I'm not. Now yeah, I just look yeah. like a nice old man. <laughs> I wonder if I just feel that way because I'm getting old. <laughs> Am I seeing these old men and thinking, you know, I wouldn't mind looking like that at that age. Hashtag goals. Yeah, yeah. get on the Bertolli, that's what I say. <laughs> yeah, get, get, on, get on the Bertolli. Right. <laughs> yeah. uh, Do you just rub it on your face? Or? Yeah, you anywhere. It, you rub it on your face, you give yourself an enema, whatever you want to do with it. <laughs> <laughs> Bertolli enema. Bertolli enema. <laughs> Smooth. Botoli, Botoli, yeah, Botoli. Yeah. <laughs> it was right there, it was right there. <laughs> and your other high? My other high is a British documentary about the video nasties history called Ban the Sadist Videos, oh, yeah. exclamation mark. No surprise really in terms of end of the day, it was about commerce and nothing to do with protecting people. But there's some brilliant archive footage in that. Does it have the clip of Graham Bright MP yeah. uh, saying that these films not only affect children, but dogs as well? Yes, if you show them to a dog, the dog will become violent. Amazing. which is insane <laughs> the, the, the problem was they there was all the, the tabloids were kind of like um six out of ten british kids have seen video nasties yeah and like actually what happened was they went into schools gave them a long list of names of films <laughs> and the kids just went that sounds cool yeah yeah a lot of which were fake a lot of which were fake yeah there was one called something like curse of the blue vampire and they actually had some kids <laughs> and they went what happens in that one and he goes uh, it's vampires and uh, it's scary and that. Yeah. There's other bits like there's a brilliant like like load of like little lads who are clearly just like there's a camera going to muck about, and they're like, okay, what horror films have you seen? He goes, I've seen zombies. <laughs> it's like what happens in zombies? There's all zombies and there's a slaughter. It's kind of insane to get on Devil Times. Five, I was going to say it? we should invite them on as guests. Yeah, well, they're they're probably um, probably grown ups now. Probably, uh, I hope so. I hope they didn't all well, die. Well, yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> Sorry, I've consumed so much Benelin that I don't understand how time works. But yes. <laughs> yeah, I hope they have all be cursed by the video nasties to remain children forever. He has aged, but he's still the size of a child and he's going, this slaughter. <laughs> Too much Batelli. Yeah. No, that's, yeah. That, that, that's, that's the reverse Batelli. That's the problem there. Yeah, the reverse Batelli. The reverse, the, uh, <laughs> she's done the old reverse Batelli on a Saturday night. Um, oh, yeah. go on. It's my birthday. Please, can we do the reverse Batelli? <laughs> <laughs> well, I have a low, which is called Caveat. It's from 2020. It's about a guy who agrees to look after his landlord's mental sister in a spooky house in the middle of nowhere. Classic. With the titular caveat that he has to remain chained to the wall at all times. What? Uh, he agrees to do that. First of many bizarre plot holes that I didn't buy. Another one is when he finds a phone and instead of uh, calling the police, he calls the landlord who put him there and asks him to call the police, which of course he doesn't do because he's an evil landlord. It's, it's kind of well directed. You can tell that the guy has got a handle on the scary moments and there's certainly some bits that would shit people up, but the writing is terrible and um, plus the guy who who is the main guy in it simon looks exactly like your comedy partner tim is he doing murders in it or is he um no no he's the uh innocent loser who d- agrees to this yeah that sounds like him all right <laughs> uh and my high is identical from 1974 which is a jalo starring elizabeth taylor Whoa. Oh, cool. I'd just not come across this before. I, I'd, I'd never heard that she was in a jalo. Yeah, it's really weird. It's really unusual. It's got clever twists. It's got lots of back and forth editing um, in terms of timelines and stuff. And it really keeps you guessing where it's all going. Uh, she flees to Rome, flies to Rome to have like a mental health break. Uh, everyone she meets reacts to her in really strange ways. And it looks like Interpol might be after her. She's really odd. All the side characters are really odd. Andy Warhol turns up playing a member of the House of Lords. Really? What what? actual Andy Warhol? That's awesome. Andy Warhol. It's fucking weird. It's so good. I also got a last minute high as well, which I just watched today. Uh, Indonesian film called Special Silences, which involves some little red pills that are used as poison to make people's chests explode full of like plant roots what's the advantage of little pills that make roots come out of people's chests uh you can kill people without it looking like murder oh so that's just a thing that happens all the time is it just on a (laughs) bus somebody has a has a heart attack and they're all plant roots and everyone goes no 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 that's the point everyone's so confused they're like what the fuck just happened here and no one thinks someone murdered this person i'd probably Mm. think it was murder Sort of thought three, I'd say. They'd at least look into it as yeah. like, this isn't a usual thing. Yeah. yeah. Thought one, there's a new plant. Thought two, uh-huh. uh, a, a, a um, some sort of mad root accident. Thought three, murder. Uh, now, if you listened last month, you'll remember that we had a good laugh at the expense of Dawn Miller from Newport, South Wales, who'd written a letter to the <laughs> Radio Times complaining about Saltburn. I had so much fun with that bit, I've decided to turn it into a new regular feature. Worst Radio Times letter of the month. Yes, it's Worst Radio Times letter of the month. <laughs> and this month's Worst Radio Times letter... Doesn't actually have anything to do with horror or movies at all. <laughs> so it's completely fucking irrelevant to this podcast. But I thought if I put a spooky bed underneath it, we can probably make it work. <laughs> then this letter comes from Valerie Weber of Lewisham, South London. 
Uh, I was so looking forward to the restoration of the Elizabeth Tower being completed so we could once again hear regularly the bongs of Big Ben live on Radio 4. Sadly, the clunky, echoey sound since the chimes resumed jangle my ears! <laughs> Would I be right in saying that the microphone has been relocated and this is distorting the sounds? Valerie Weaver, London South East 13. Well, what do you think of that? Yeah, I think that is horror-related. Misophonia, the struggle is real. I'll tell you what does sound clunky and jangles my ears, that sentence construction, so we could once again hear regularly the bongs. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure it is grammatically correct, but it just shows you what sort of twat writes to the Radio Times. That's clunky as fuck, that is. Yeah. I think she's tried not to split her infinitive or something like that. Yeah, not going with the Booker Prize, is it? That letter from Valerie. Would it have been better if she'd written in sort of a verse form? Yeah. Why bong's wrong? Bong's gone wrong, bong. Bong's gone wrong. There was an old woman called Val who was looking forward to... Hearing a bow. A bow? Yeah. A bow? But though did the bong, it sounded quite wrong. She thought the mic it had foul, it, like foul? yeah, foul, yeah, yes. microphone it, fa- yeah, it nice. foul. <laughs> Sorry, foul, mic foul. <laughs> <laughs> also, those live bongs weren't broadcast for six years. She writes to the Radio Times. I'm guessing she's a very old. Couldn't it just be that her ears are deteriorating? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. it. Six years of ageing. Maybe it's not ageing. Maybe she's been going to gigs and deliberately like sticking her head in the bass bins and yeah, all the things they <laughs> just, used to tell yeah. you not to do on tickets. Trying but... to get that rush of hearing the bongs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> bought a bunch of bells in the interim and be like bonging them mad for six years <laughs> and that fucked it. <laughs> I reckon if she did have her own bong at home, she might be a bit more fucking chilled out. <laughs> <laughs> Worst Radio Times Letter of the Month Well, I feel all riled up and full of hatred now But we can fix that Love is in the air Yes, we've been watching five horror films this month About passionate lovers whose romance has a body count First up, from 1990, is David Lynch's Wild at Heart Can I talk to Lula? You are not gonna see him ever I'd go the far end of the world for you, baby a man can't ask for more than that. You move me, Sail. You really do. You want me to shoot Sailor in the brains with a gun? Lola! I didn't have much parental guidance. Baby, you better run me back to the hotel. You got me hotter in Georgia asphalt. This whole world's wild and hard and weird on top. Hot and horny Sailor and Lula go on an illegal road trip while Sailor's out on parole, unaware that Lula's mad mum has sent two hitmen out to kill him. So not horror this really, but we've sort of broadened the remit of our podcast to keep things interesting. Yeah, it's a Radio Times letters. (laughs) (laughs) There's going to be two Radio Times letters next month and four films. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, it's full of grotesqueries and nightmarish edited and southern gothic. Yeah, it's creepy. There's a creepy, creepy, creepy uh, Willem Dafoe. He's, he's... Oh, God, that's such an amazing performance and he is terrifying. That's the second film I've watched this month with Willem Dafoe pre-wrinkled face. If anything, he looks worse. He looks worse before he had been on wrinkly face. Maybe he's got some Italian in him. 
I was going to say, yeah, he's been at the Batoli. Yeah, Batoli enemas, yeah. probably. No, he's going to reverse Batoli if he's getting leatherier. <laughs> yes, leatherier and better. I thought Batoli meant that you are aging well. As yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Reverse Batoli is when you're a child who's still child size, but you're actually an adult. I see, yes. <laughs> I, I like the scene where he's in the hotel room with Laura Dern. Oh, those close-ups of his horrible rail of teeth. Oh, oh it's, it's proper horrific. horrible. Everything about it is horrific. They're both brilliant in that scene. You really feel her discomfort and just how disgusting he is and his teeth are all... Oh. Yeah, he's he's a scary, scary dude. Yeah, he does have that brilliant line of that scene, I need to take a piss, could I use your head? And then <laughs> and she's I don't like, actually mean your head. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't come into the film until quite a long way into it. And then hmm. from the first scene that you see him and he looks at Lula and he does this thing where he's kind of one of his eyelids twitches like a lizard. And it's just really, really freaky. Do you like yeah. it? I, I do actually, yeah. I wasn't sure on that this one when I first saw it. I was a little bit like, mm, it's not as good as his other stuff. Um, mm. And it certainly does have a vibe of I'm David Lynch and I'll do what I like. Yeah. I, it's definitely my least favourite non-June David Lynch film. Um, mm. But I think it is better than I remembered it. I think it is still disjointed, but I think the moments in it are, are really good. Like, especially, well, I mainly remember Willem Dafoe, actually. And I think Laura Dern, she's so amazing in anything. And anything you give her, she'll always really, really bring something. I think she adds a really good sort of through line that maybe almost doesn't deserve. But yeah, it just doesn't quite hang together, I think. No, I found it a mess. And I'm surprised to find out that he was making it at the same sort of time as Twin Peaks rather than a couple of years before. Because it really feels like it's coming up with ideas that would later be refined in Twin Peaks. Because it's got lots of Twin Peaks people in it. So yes, it has. Got, um, Grace Frisk is so mad in this. I so didn't realise she has such range. She does many, many different flavours of mad over her work with Lynch. But yeah, this is a particularly kind of uh, unhinged one. Yeah. It's kind of a bit relentless, this film, in terms of everything being quite mad. Apart from the mm. fact that the scenes where you have Sailor and Lula together, they're actually quite sweet. You could see why Lynch kind of pushed for a happy ending. I've not read the book this is based on, but apparently he changed it because the, the book ends up with them broken up. It doesn't turn into a giant cock monster at any point. No giant cock monster. No, no are you disappointed at the lack of giant cock monster? Well, I think anything that's based on a book is likely to have a giant cock monster these days. Yeah, yeah no, not not every book has the giant cock monster in it. No. Just let the right one in and Jane Eyre. <laughs> <laughs> All the sort of side characters are so mad in this, like Freddie Jones. I love Freddie Jones, but it turns up quacking for some reason. Yeah, what and, the fuck? Yeah. And Crispin Glover is Crispin in the Glover. opening credits. I was like, well, how how are they going to find a suitably weird role for Crispin Glover in a film that's full of weird people? Uh, oh, yeah. So he's a schizophrenic who puts cockroaches up his ass. That yeah, cockroaches up his ass. Yeah, he gets to um, gets to be the guy that's obsessed with Christmas, puts cockroaches up his arse, and then there's a brief moment of him in a suit out on the street, and he's walking in a way that could best be described as sort of modern dance walking. It's really weird. Oh, best described as having a load of cockroaches up your arse. Yeah, best described. Maybe that's the secret to modern dance. Yeah, definitely. I went to see a modern dance show in uh, China. I did think that's what probably happened. Oh, they've got big cockroaches there as well. Yeah, yeah, that was why they went there. Is that why you went there? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Being interviewed by customs. Why are you in China? Uh... It, yeah, business pleasure, cockroaches in the arse. Actually, had to fill in quite a lot of visa applications, and you really had to go into detail about the cockroaches you wanted. I brought handfuls of patelli with me. Yeah. I'm going to see those <laughs> giant cockroaches. 
and learn to be a dancer. Yeah. It's the Simon Plotkin version of Billy Elliot. <laughs> yeah. Son, you'll never be a modern dancer with those tiny cockroaches. You're never going to be a cockroach up your bum, man, so don't start now. <laughs> yeah. Then they do the musical version. There's all dancing cockroaches and all that stuff. It's all more political than that about Thatcher and cockroaches. It's great. Surprise, Elton John got involved, really, but... <laughs> Contractual obligation. He's a fan of modern dance. You know, he goes, he goes with the things that interest him. Now I'm worried what Crocodile Rock's about. <laughs> I'm still standing, which considering all the Bertolli is surprising. <laughs> has he Bertollied? I think he's I think he's had the cheating Bertolli, which is plastic surgery. <laughs> he's had the cheating Bertolli and the um yeah. the, the um I can't believe it's not Bertolli. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the final scene, so this is not what happens in the book, but it happens in the movie. You've got the Wizard of Oz bit, Cheryl Lee turns up, is Glinda the Good Witch, and yeah. it's like, Don't turn your back on love, Sailor. You have Sailor singing uh, Love Me Tender over the end credits. Now, that final scene, would it have been better if he didn't have the crap false nose on? Has he got a false nose? He's got a false nose? He's beaten up in the scene beforehand by the um, oh. the uh, the guys. But throughout the whole thing, he's got like a bad putty fake nose on, which I think is meant to represent the fact that he's been punched. I never noticed. No, I'm just watching it now. And, um, oh yeah. Well, no, it just looks like he's been punched in the nose. But it does, there is a vague sort of Humpty Hump look to it, admittedly. The Humpty dance would have been more appropriate than Love Me Tender at that point. <laughs> the Humpty dance? Okay, you obviously don't know who Humpty Hump was. No. <laughs> From um, Digital Underground, he was a rapper, died in 2021, and he was famous for having a false nose because his nose got cut off in a fight at some point. Oh, okay. Not because he fell off a wall, that was one bit they couldn't find. No, 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 I tell a lie. He had an accident with a deep fryer. <laughs> <laughs> Classic rapper mythology. You say I got my nose cut off in a fight. Actually, you're making chips. Oh, that's like a guy that I knew at uni that everyone thought was really, really hard because he was from New York City and he had a scar on his face. And one day someone said to him, how'd you get that scar? And he went, I fell off a swing when I was two. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a tiny scar on my lip from when I was riding my bike up and down the garden and my parents were convinced I was going to go crashing straight into the patio doors. So while I was going up the garden, they put a bench about three metres in front of the patio doors and I oh, came no. back down again, straight into the bench because I didn't even notice they'd put it there. Oh, no. <laughs> Injured by safety measures. Yeah. Oh, the irony. Uh, talking of Twin Peaks, mind... Uh, the casting of Everett McGill and Wendy Roby as Ed and Nadine Hurley in Twin Peaks led them to becoming our next dangerous double act in Wes Craven's The People Under the Stairs. Uh, in this film, a 13-year-old burglar gets trapped in a house that's populated by several abused children and a horde of cannibalistic prisoners, all overseen by the mysterious Mommy and Daddy. And I think it's a very shit film. It's very much got um, the early 90s tonal weirdness. Yeah. You know, when we were doing the dogs films and there was the one with um, Lance Henriksen in. Matt's best friend. The one that, yeah, it's a, the, it was the one that felt, this is a gentle family film. Listen to the nice piano music. And then something horrific happens. Yeah, then someone drops the end bomb. <laughs> but yeah, this is quite a weird one tonally. But I think that there's some good ideas in it and... I think I, I heard somewhere that somebody was thinking about remaking it, which I think because the source material could potentially be quite interesting, mm. doing like an updated version about what, you know, life is like in the city now when you skint and there's people buying up everything and trying to make a buck off of it. 
Well, that kind of socio-political satire, I don't think it's handled particularly well because it's just too no, clunky but, and obvious. Yeah. But there's potential to do an updated version, doing something slightly more interesting with that. Yeah. Slightly angrier as well, because it's kind of like you get the feeling that it's almost going to be, you know, outrage at the injustice. And there is, but it's it's very kind of tampered down. Yeah, it's a kiddie adventure, isn't it? Because it's yeah. got a child central character and that's never, almost never a good thing. Probably would have been better had they made it more kid-friendly in some way because the wee guy who's the main actor is like really good at it. Like he really, you know, the whole film's kind of on his shoulders. I think he's he's good, but it's just got a bit whiff of the Home Alones. Real whiff of the Home Alones. <laughs> <laughs> got a little... Kevin stench, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's got a Culkin tang. I mean, it's, it's not every day you see a Rottweiler go down a slide on a tray. Yeah. That was good. At what point did they make those stairs? You know, when did they construct those things? Oh, we're going to have to keep loads of people down here. They didn't know that. They didn't know they're going to have to keep people down the stairs because the children keep failing them. <laughs> right, at some point, got to make slide stairs to keep these people down There's too down many here. things going on in this film. There's too many... <laughs> Well, there's two sets of enemies, villains, at least. And it's all conducted at the same pitch throughout. It's all just noisy and annoying and there's no suspense or anything. It, I, just, I just hated it. I just got so bored of it. There was so much going on, I got bored. Why is he in a gimp suit? That was my main question. Why is yeah. he in a gimp suit? They just piled everything on top of each other and I don't think it works. They're brother and sister, aren't they? They call each other mummy and daddy. Yeah. Maybe there was some kinky stuff. Are they fucking? I don't know. Yeah, they're definitely fucking. You can see yeah. it. You can see the the chemistry fizzing. That is quite rude. <laughs> I like the way they gave Ving Rhames lines that just all jokes about pussy and tits and ass. <laughs> yeah. Which a couple of them are actually quite funny lines. So. The kid's just like, stop talking about pussy and we need to get out of this awkward situation. And Ving Rhames is like, no, but pussy though. And it's like, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> but I like talking about pussy, please. There's a time and a place for talking about pussy. Yeah. Right now we've got burglaring to do. <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely black characters written by white people. A nice treat, though, at the end, something I did like, was to hear um, Do the Right Thing by Redhead Kingpin and the FBI. Yeah. But I was rapping along. Still know all the words. <laughs> Do the right thing. Not talking about a black and white, because that would cause conflict and make this hit legit. Because you're legit. I know the words. I can't oh, speak the words. Because you're... <laughs> I've tripped over myself now, now I can't do it. Do the right thing, not talking about a black and white thing, because that would cause conflict and make this legit, because your definition of legit and illegitimate is confusing. But the black one, that the black one, is it? <laughs> the king, the, 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 I can't do it. I'm not a rapper. I give up. Dear listener, he was reading those at one point. Just I was <laughs> not. <laughs> do the right thing, not talking about a black and white thing, because that was called conflict. That I can't fucking do it. It's harder than it sounds. This, and only this reason, is why you're not a famous rapper. <laughs> do the right thing, not talking about a black and white thing, because that would cause conflict and make this legit. And your definition of legit and illegitimate is confusing. Now, the redhead one's sent to make things clearer, because in about a year or two, what you'll do is take a look up in the mirror, and what you're going to see is the image of hate that you spread upon your, the others, it's just to your brothers. Now, do the right thing. <gasps> There we go. Sort of got through it. It was rubbish. Are they still doing the remake? Because uh, he could be a shoo-in. That was my audition. Yeah, there you go. Done. The worst rapper in yeah. Brighton. Not the worst rapper in Brighton. I was going to say, I reckon that, I mean, I, I'm no expert, but I reckon they're probably a lot worse rappers in Brighton. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's Mummy and Daddy, Mommy and Daddy. But what about Stephen Shields' Mum and Dad? Uh, I don't actually mean Stephen Shields' mum and dad. I mean, the film he made called <laughs> Mum and Dad. I hope it's not based on Stephen Shields' mum and dad. Oh, God. Oh, you hope not. Well, it's based on Fred and Rose West. 
Yeah. yeah. Blatantly. Yeah. In which uh, Heathrow Airport cleaner tricks her new co-worker into becoming part of her adoptive parents' twisted family. I'm not a massive true crime head, but one thing I do know is that what Fred and Rose West did was actually worse than this. So if anything, this is the sanitised version. And it is pretty, pretty extreme. It is pretty it's grim, yeah. It's, it is grim. It's got some good stuff going on. I hated this. Well, I didn't like it, but it had some... No, 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 sorry, I hadn't finished. All I right. hated this when I first saw it 15 uh. years ago. Watching it this week, I thought it was brilliant. <laughs> I've completely come round on it. Can you fucking Louis Walsh did X Factor that <laughs> just then? <laughs> I didn't like this. I loved it. Yeah. I loved it. Do you know what I said about it 15 years ago? I said it was too polished. <laughs> too <What>? polished. <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking. I must have been comparing it to something like August Underground or something. Or maybe it was the BBC logo at the start. I thought, well, this is going to be rubbish, isn't it? This is going to have like fucking Tom Conti in it or something. <laughs> it's going to be like Gosford fucking Park or something. Yeah. <laughs> but it's not Perry Benson. He's good. He is very good. Yeah. I like what it was trying to do. I like the griminess of it. And I like the fact that they were trying to sort of juxtapose that with suburban family banality. I didn't like the fact that once things got tortury and grim, they just went for generic, boring, grey colour palette. They could have done something a bit more interesting there. Yeah, that's it. It's got some good ideas. There's some moments. Like the kind of mm. Christmas. <laughs> the bit where they suddenly go, it's Christmas, and then there's this sort of parody Christmas song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What was that Christmas song? It's like, wait a second, this isn't Merry Christmas, everyone. They couldn't afford the rights. They got some fucking yeah. uh, Christmas, Christmassy time, Christmas all the time. It's credited to Richie Moon and the Muffs. No fucking shit. <laughs> <laughs> there's also a funny bit where he goes and meets his mate with the van. It's surprising where comedy comes from in British films. Mm. And Perry Benson is a great comedy actor. And despite that, you just don't expect this to suddenly get like funny and have some proper laughs and jokes in it. Yeah, he was brilliant in it. I mm. think he was almost underused, like concentration of mum quite a lot, who was less interesting, I think, as a character. And and, and I didn't think the, the sister was, was a particularly good actor. I think it chose to concentrate on the wrong things. But, you know, definitely some good bits in it. I was watching it while eating my breakfast and that opening scene where they're cleaning the shitty bog at Heathrow Airport was a delightful thing to watch while eating my my egg on whatever shit. it is I have in the world. Egg on shit. <laughs> egg on shit. Yes, my plate of shit with an egg on top. <laughs> I thought you were going to say you watched it while you were eating your breakfast and then there's a scene where they're watching breakfast and there's porn on in the background and you watch that and we're like, oh. This little Spider-Man meme of like, what, me, you? We're, both... <laughs> <laughs> we're not so different, not you so and different. I. Yeah, that was great when the porn was on. Like those kind of weird fucking details. Mm. That's something that Fred and Rose did with their kids. They just yeah, have porn on. They put their kids' heads in cages to force them to watch the porn. Bloody hell. And I think a lot of the time it was probably porn of, of Rose. Oh, yeah. homemade stuff. Yeah, yeah, shagging the men that she picked up in the pub. And occasionally um, her own children. Oh, yeah, that as well, yeah. Well, they have the bit at the end where they've got the, the girl who's catatonic and he's going, she's my mm. own flesh and blood. And you're just like, but is anyone in this family related to each other? Or were they trying to do like a proper Fred and Rose West thing, in which case... He may have had a daughter who he fucked and that's their child because that happened. It's all pretty grim. It's very grim. And they maybe looked at the original story a bit and went, oh, keep it light, mate. Yeah. Keep the porn, lose some of the incest. Yeah, exactly. One day there will be a very explicit page for page adaptation of uh, Happy Light Murderers. And oh, I will be happy at last. 
One day, one glorious day. One glorious day, if I have to make it myself. (laughs) Uh, Would it be a musical? Yeah, could be, couldn't it? West Side Story. Way. (laughs) It would... If nothing else, it would have a soundtrack of all the hits from the 80s and 90s. So you'd be tapping your toes throughout every horrible scene. Tapping the toes with (laughs) old Fred and Rose. (laughs) (laughs) That's really, really sad that Fred not only impregnated his own daughters, but also tried to do home abortions with them. Still, you know, that track's a banger. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's really nice to hear Higher State of Consciousness again. (laughs) (laughs) Now, who's going to fund this for me? Oh, talking of which, we'll have some more screwing each other serial killers shortly. But first, it's time for this. If you've got a bone in your teeth or a bone of contention, or if you've got a bone to pick, we'll take the bones off your beef at the horror help desk. So mail us, cause that would be sick. And we've had a few messages to choose from this month, so thanks for sending them in. We've gone for this one from Chris. Why don't found footage filmmakers... Good alliteration there, I like that. Um, Why don't found footage filmmakers save up a bit more money? Good alliteration there again, more money. Why don't found footage filmmakers save up a bit more money and make proper films instead? Well, Chris, let's see if we can figure out the answer to this one. So... Why don't found footage filmmakers save up a bit more money and make proper films instead? What do you think, well, Simon? Blair Witch 2 was sort of put paid to that, considering <laughs> the found footage filmmakers got more money and then made that, which is, I think, an unwatchable atrocity. So, Oh, I yeah. think it's better than the original. But... Oh, I knew you could have some fucking weird opinion. Mm. <laughs> but, you know, going against it with found footage, one of the main problems with it is that you always have to have one main character is an absolute arsehole because you always have to have someone who wants to film everything at all points. Otherwise, the whole thing yeah. falls apart. Why are you filming that, asshole? Switch your damn camera off. Switch it off, man. I switched it off. The light's still on, asshole. <laughs> yeah, I switched the camera off and then it turns out it's got a GoPro and you're like, oh, you can't. Yeah, fucking dickhead. But Emily, all they have to do is save up more money. I don't think that it's quite that easy. I'm not the biggest fan of found footage either, but if doing something in that style and in that way, it means that somebody is going to make a film and put it out into the world as opposed to not making a film because they can't afford to because films are really fucking expensive then meh mind you saying that I'm a hypocrite because most of the time I'm like, oh, it's a new movie I'm like that's interesting it's a found footage now right. well let's see let's should we just see if we can role play this so Simon you could play a plucky young filmmaker looking to find finance for his debut movie and Emily you can play the wannabe Hollywood movie producer looking to throw some cash at a surefire hit all right. Well, uh, hello. I like to make the Fred and Rose West story. I want to do found footage. I want to make it 100% completely accurate to every single detail. <laughs> Low budget prequel film, found footage, and then work up to the full musical, lavish 70 millimeter technicolor dream version. Can I have some money, please? Have you got storyboards and scripts, or are you just going to improvise this? Well, we feel it'd be more true to the aesthetic to just sort of piss around a bit with some cameras and not really worry about what we're doing. Um, oh, no, I, I, I like that. I like that. That's a sort of plucky spirit. However, I've got more money than you, and um, I'm a prick, so... Uh... Oh, I've got a part for you, actually. It's the person who holds the camera the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> 
I love holding cameras. I'm in. <laughs> Great. So you can have £10. Excellent. I'll do two of the killings. I'll also let you have a go with my diamond pen when we sign the contract. Good. It's a deal. Excellent. <laughs> so it's as simple as that. So I think what we've learned there is that the uh, young filmmaker didn't want to make a big budget film. He wanted to make a found footage film. And I think that's the problem. Mm. You look at the sort of things that get promoted on horror reddits and Facebook things, and it's it's people with no money making the worst films, and I hate it, and it makes me want to not watch horror anymore. There's all sorts of like weird discussions about found footage. One is that oh, it's it's not actually a genre; it's just a it's a style of uh, filmmaking, which maybe. But on the other hand, there are very definitely tropes, as in the aforementioned "Hey man, stop filming." Yeah, yeah you might as well say that about porn. I'd say it's not, it's not a genre, it's just a style of making films. I thought, I thought you meant it poor and they should halfway through, hey man, stop filming, we're trying to have sex. <laughs> oh, come on, you know. <laughs> Thanks to Pornhub, etc., you just know that indignant with cameraman is going to be a category, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you what, I bet in every porn shoot, the bloke with the camera is the biggest arsehole in the room. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I've seen pleasure. Oh, yeah, I God, I've, like seen, it. <laughs> I've seen pleasure. That was, uh, that, was a, that was a tough watch with the wife, that was. That's supposed to be really good. Oh, oh, God, it was so that was full on, that was. Sorry, is that a porn or a film about it's making porn? It's a film porn? about making porn. It's a film about making porn. But it goes pretty much to the line of what could be in a film about making porn. Yeah, um, okay. But, you know, the, the guy who's the worst sleazebag in that film is playing himself, which is quite astounding. Was he pornography's biggest casting man or something? Yeah, yeah, he's famous. That's his real name. That's the real guy. That's what he does. Yeah. He is depicted as a complete cunt, isn't it? Complete and he complete cunt. Happily, I just could not understand why he would agree to do that. No. Unless he's just got no self-awareness and no sense of morality or anything which simply doesn't yeah that's true ah it's enough to make me want to go back to my black emmanuel box set and watch some wholesome porn (laughs) breakfast viewing in the morning yeah breakfast porn yeah breakfast porn porn. (laughs) (laughs) like a sort of porn sommelier what do you do with this well can i recommend this as a five minute of breakfast porn (laughs) (laughs) yeah this one they're covered in milk it's fine (laughs) of course back in the day when we were young all the porn was essentially found footage just found in the bushes in the forest found in a hedge yeah yeah. Or railway sidings. And also, none of the performers live to tell the tale either, I imagine. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's much more wholesome back then. <laughs> so, what's that? Is that a. So, so that's the Hovis yeah, that, isn't it? Well, I want young old tip pods. <laughs> Fold a bucket tip bus. I'll put it to a railway line. You have to take porn to top at world. Right. Top at world? Top at world. That's what he says in the advert because he's got to take the bread up a hill, up a cobbled street. So he goes. Oh, does he um, say top of world? I've got to, got to, to bring bread to top at world. God, they're stupid up north, aren't they? I'll cut that bit. <laughs> yeah, stupid up north. <laughs> they're stupid bread. <laughs> yeah, fuck your bread. Yes. <laughs> if that stupid cunt with his bike had been carrying Nimble home, then, you know, it might not have been such a chore for him because it's much lighter. I let go of bread and it floated up to top at hill. I fucked up a sandwich toaster with that. <laughs> because it doesn't it's not robust enough to withstand cheese and Can't heat at the, the same time well if you've got a horror or supernatural related <laughs> problem argument dilemma rant or question for the horror help desk dm us on twitter facebook or instagram or email dx5podcast at gmail.com now back to the movies about murderers who are not just bumping off other people but bumping uglies too 
And in a world saturated with televised true crime, homicidal lovers Mickey and Mallory Knox become a cultural phenomenon. It is, of course, Oliver Stone's Natural Born Killers. Emily, you remember when you said that we should do Starship Troopers on an episode just called Things That Are Fucking Cool? Yeah. yeah. We could save Natural Born Killers for the Things yeah. That Are Fucking Cool episode, <laughs> I reckon. It's just so fucking cool. I love this film. Always have. Uh, I hate to be a dissenting voice. I don't hate it. I think a lot of it is fucking cool. The visuals are cool. I love the audacity to just change the kind of film stock and the colorization and even the type of scene, the type of genre that you're doing, like that they're mucking about with or homaging, referencing midway through a scene. But it is quite hollow and it's not fun enough to make you just go, yeah, but the visuals are good. I sort of agree in that, yes, it is a bit hollow. It can leave feeling a little bit like maybe should be a bit more to that that but i love the bright colors and the flashy camera work and the mad editing and the different film stocks and the Mm. and all that i just absolutely love it that's what gets me off yeah and i mean the fact that five minutes in they throw in that sitcom scene with rodney Rodney dangerfield that that bit is particularly strong he's he's so sinister as well rodney dangerfield in this he does an absolutely bang up job yeah talk about repellent like that porn guy from the other one Fucking Rodney Dangerfield. Just beyond disgusting. My girlfriend at the time was so into it, like perhaps even more than I was, that she bought us matching snake rings and, (laughs) you know, she she went fucking wild for it, started wearing her hair like uh, Juliette Lewis in it and Catholic girls, eh? Yeah. It is shallow, but it's unbelievably well made. And that prison break sequence, just so horrible, but so well put together and all the the chaos and the violence and Tommy Lee Jones you can see why they cast him as Two-Face from uh, when he was yes <laughs> just... I was thinking that watching this going that is exactly he, he's like a sort of human rat he's amazing he's all teeth <laughs> he's so good at it yeah. yeah he's so good and also Robert Downey Jr absolutely coked off yeah. his fucking nut like I don't know if you're supposed to do Australian accent or not, but he tries. I think Juliette Lewis and Woody Harrelson are both good in it. At the time, I actually found Woody Harrelson quite annoying. I think it's because I used to find him annoying in Cheers as well. It's like you're just doing the same oh, really? thing. I know that it's it deviated from it a hell of a long way, but Quentin Tarantino wrote the original story. And maybe in that, they were proper characters rather than just ciphers. I don't know. I just wanted there to be a bit more to them. But Mickey is meant to be annoying. He's an awful bloke. He is, yeah, he's terrible. Bad man, bad man. The fact that my girlfriend idolised Mallory, I think, is fine. If I'd idolised Mickey and started wearing my hair like him, which some might say I do now, (laughs) but that's not my choice. (laughs) We all go the way of Mickey if we don't bretolliate enough. Exactly. (laughs) I like the bit where they're in the hotel room and outside the window there's just like all nature footage of like lions fucking that is a very very good scene unfortunately then it gets rapey and you're like oh no i know it sets up what happens next when mallory goes on a kind of horny car revenge rampage horny car revenge horny car revenge that's the scene that's a scene. That is a good scene, yeah. And then Tom Sizemore gets introduced to Skagnetti. <laughs> Skagnetti. Sniffs the car bonnet and finds a pube and sniffs her panties. Yeah, and, looks at oh. her arse. Was Tom Sizemore known to be like that when he was cast? Or was he cast and then he was like, well, this is just him forever. Like, you know. Play to your strengths. <laughs> just, yeah. He was, I don't really know anything else about it. I'm not sure what else. Oh, no, he made this insane sex tape of him just basically, he is yeah. that character and he's like shagging all these women coked up off his mind. Maybe he went method and just couldn't get out of it. <laughs> yeah. Couldn't snap out of it. Yeah, you can't go back from Scagnetti. He gets the script, he phones up Oliver Stone and goes, this is fantastic, really audacious. Um, 
What made you choose me for the sleazy man? <laughs> I can't do an Italian accent or anything. <laughs> Happy Scagnelli, he's not an Italian. <laughs> Malady, I'm coming to get you. <laughs> oh, he's got some, oh, he's done some. He's a bit of a fiddler. He's a bit of a fiddler, Sizemore, according oh, to he? Wikipedia, yeah. Is that what it says at the top? Tom Sizemore is an actor and a bit of a fiddler. Yeah, yeah. It says personal life, sexual abuse allegations, substance abuse and legal problems. Is he still alive? I got the feeling he may have died. Uh, He died last year, March the 3rd, 2023. Oh, great. We can say what we like about him then. Yeah, he's a kiddie fiddling lunatic. Who did he fiddle? Uh... Uh, I don't. I don't want names. I just. <laughs> it was um, an eleven-year-old actress. Eleven. Uh, yeah. Oh, he's, what Roman? He's kicked off set of a different film called Born Killers. Um, for fiddling. It was not really. Yeah. Was that presumably after Natural Born Killers? Yeah, it? yeah. It was a 2003 film. He was never prosecuted for it. So. No <sighs> oh, well, rest in piss, as they say. Do you say rest in piss? I said rest in piss, yes, yeah. he did also uh, attempt to fake a urine test using a wizardator, because that's quite apropos there. <laughs> oh, there we go. Yeah. Using what? Wizardator? Did what you say wizardator? using wizardator? I said a wizardator. Yeah, there is a link to it on Wikipedia. I'm going to click on the wizardator now. So presumably that's something that you put alongside your cock to make it look like yeah. some clean piss is coming out. Like the washing up liquid tube and uh, the tubing with Nell and I. Yeah, exactly. I don't think if it came out green and smelling a fairy liquid, uh, it would convince <laughs> anyone. <laughs> you have to use the bottle up first. Is that what that fairy liquid advert's about where the kid goes, why won't the fairy liquid bottle run out? Why does it go on for so long? Well, yeah, you think he was going to make a space rocket, but actually he just wants to cover his tracks while he's... Um... Do a piss test at school. Yeah, The he's... original Wizenator is a product advertised as a, quote, wet sex simulator intended to promote simulated oh. male urination as a safer alternative to using real urine for sexual fetish activity. <laughs> but most consumers purchased the device to fortunately defeat drug tests. Hey, I bought it for both uh. guys. It was a great purchase. <laughs> Don't kink shame me, right? I didn't buy this to fake this drug test. I bought this because I just wanted to have some piss fun. Oh, this is safer. This is safer. Than... How's it safer? And is there a link to the ploppinator as well? <laughs> ploppinator. It's, 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 it's intended as a safer alternative for scat play, but most people use it to fake their liver cancer tests. <laughs> Well, hey, blow it for both, okay? I got good value for money. <laughs> Two for one deal. Ploppinator, Wizenator. That's a sort of the QVC deal, isn't it? And if you order now, you get a free Ploppinator. <laughs> <laughs> it's the fact that they describe it as a wet sex simulator. Wet sex simulator. Didn't he got as far as referring to the urine thing? I was just thinking, as opposed to what? Like, the Wizenator just... comes the kit complete with dried urine syringe, heater packs to keep the urine at body temperature, a false penis... <laughs> <laughs> please please tell me Alex isn't bringing these to Glastonbury as well as the piss bags <laughs> I should suggest it they're quite astounding no you should not no one wants to hear you simulate piss play in your tent I'm like, no, I'll be like oh whoopsie do and then the fake penis comes out and, oh it squirts all over hang and on does it come fun. with a fake penis yeah that's just said fake penis comes in different skin tones oh, well. okay and sizes uh, no, only extra small. <laughs> no, you can only, you only get a micro one, that's it. Yeah, decent size micro dick. It's like, look, your humiliation is already total of you using this. 
<laughs> I like the way that you have to overheat it up as well, because otherwise people are going to be like, hang on, this is taking me right out of it. Well, no, Too if you cold. want to be pissed on, you don't want it to be cold. <laughs> no, but it's, it's not, well, obviously, yes, but the fact that it says to make it the correct temperature would suggest right. that someone has gone, no, it was too hot, it's too hot. Some kind of disgusting porno Goldilocks. <laughs> Everyone's Goldilocks after they've played with this thing. <laughs> it comes with dried urine. Dried urine. Presumably you have to get like warm water to mix it with to make it. How is this safer? How is this safer? Random dried urine in the post with your fake penis. Oh, this is safety first. Safety first. Got to use a wizardator. I don't know where they where they manufacture dried urine, but imagine having to put the customs label on. <laughs> Are there mines somewhere in the Middle East or something? <laughs> Is that what the war's about? No, but maybe there's like knockoff products. So the makers of the Wizenator are like, please make sure you only use Wizenator brand dried urine. Yeah. You don't buy it off the market. You have to get like the proper stuff. So you have to pay for it to come from a factory in Belgium or wherever. You can't, you know, just make your own. No, as an IT engineer, I, I'm vehemently opposed to people using non-HP ink toner in their uh, HP printers. It fucks well, them exactly. up. Well, exactly. This is the non-HP toner version of wet sex play yeah. <laughs> accoutrement. I'd frankly rather someone just use the Wizenator over their HP printers. <laughs> <laughs> Presumably it was someone's job to, like, do the dry urine. Like, it must be someone, <laughs> professional pisser for the Wizenator. It's not real piss, is it? It can't be it's real right. piss. Well, how would you think a drugs test if it's not real piss? Synthesised piss? Synthesi- I don't mean it's Robert Moog's piss or Jean-Michel Jarre's piss or something like that. <laughs> oh, <my God. laughs> Dry urine syringe, heater packs to keep the urine at body temperature, a false penis, and instruction manual. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe the instruction manual is the bit that's made you lose it. <laughs> oh, 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 I see. <laughs> Would you use the instruction manual, though, or would you be one of those people who's like, oh, fuck it, I've got this, it's yeah. fine. I know how to rehydrate urine. Yeah, how you don't have to tell be? me what to do. I guess if you want to have, like, different levels of dehydration, different amounts of the powder to water, you know. Oh, that, that would be a very, very specific kink in your wet play, wouldn't it? It's sort of like, no, 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 I only want dehydrated piss. Oh, yeah, you just want... I want, I want piss that's like someone's morning piss after they've had an espresso. Yeah. I don't want, I don't want any of you, like, your, your healthy liquid <laughs> spring water piss. Yeah. It's it's like um it's like Ribena, you dilute it according to taste. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then you can't use it neat or eventually. <laughs> My friend said he used fucking neat Was it your piss? He said he could drink it all. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god <laughs> you just know it says please use one part piss to five parts water sorry I'm going to have to click on the official link to the official website which is the bottom of this Wikipedia page <laughs> oh god <laughs> oh my god oh. they still sell it they still sell it Please tell me there's a little tribute to Tom Sizemore on there. 
R.I.P. Experience the pinnacle of discretion and reliability with a new and improved Wizenator synthetic urine. It's not real urine. Told you. Obtain the results you need. Unmatched quality and efficiency to deliver the results you need when you need them. Order now and enter a world of precision and excellence with Wizenator. Synonymous and, and trust. They're fucking, they are literally taking the piss with this fucking bit of guff. Synonymous and trust and innovation and synthetic urine solutions. Uh, I love the precision and excellence. That sounds like the sort of thing that would be like, you know, just kind of like general corporate bollocks that every company has. It's like, yeah, of course, we use precision and excellence. And it's just like, what do you make? Wizardator? <laughs> if you've agreed to be pissed on, I think precision is something you look for. Yeah, well, okay. I don't know. Some people might prefer the um, the random nature of random. this chaos. <laughs> scatter, scatter gun. <laughs> yeah. No, not scatter guns, the other thing. <laughs> shatter gun. Um, has it got has it got a little uh, dial on it so you could like a shower head so you can have like direct stream what there's like a bubble there's a, a rain shower setting. there's different options oh there's some that don't come oh. with the fake dick have they got a ladies version because otherwise I feel it's a little bit kind of you know if you're a woman trying to get away or someone who has lady parts who is trying to use the wizardator they, you, they're going to tell right away well are you saying that if a woman's being pissed on by a man or a man being pissed on by a man um then they're not bothered about the two dicks, only one of which is doing the piss. No, what I'm saying is that there should be the option to have piss coming out of a vajayjay as well as out of a... Out of a well, they penis. also sell fleshlights. So, okay. um, but I don't, they don't seem to have any way of attaching one to the other. <laughs> Fill it with piss. Tip it up. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Very yeah, manual. That's the, that, that's the cheap way to do it. <laughs> you literally just ruined it. You just pissed in a flashlight and ruined it. What I don't understand is if they really are mainly used to fake drug tests, you presumably don't know when you're about to be asked for a drug test piss sample, right? It's pretty random. You just keep it on all the time. Keep it on all the time. Keep your wizardator handy. You never. No one knows the day or the hour. <laughs> <laughs> You're walking a bit funny today, mate, and a pissinator. You never know. Yeah, exactly. Oh, wait a second. There, sorry. The Wiz Kit is a stylish, user-friendly synthetic urine belt for universal use across all genders. So, The um, Wiz Kit. Oh, there we go. The is Wiz that a child's version? Yes, the, ch- the ch- for children. Oh. So you can use the wet sex play enabler if you are um, have a penis or if you are a child of either gender. Yes. Oh, I, I wonder if you have to be 18 to buy it. Happy birthday, son. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. $90 for the one with the, the fake cock. <gasps> Fucking hell. How much is it without a fake cock? Uh, without a fake cock, uh, just your standard... Um, yeah, just uh, your standards, you know, no bells and whistles, just, you know, your average. <laughs> no bell, for sure. No bell. Uh, <laughs> uh, $50. Okay. Mm. And um, are we doing a special offer to our listeners? Yeah, yeah. Do we get commission? 10% off. (laughs) And what's the uh, discount code? Big Splash DX5. There we go. I like being pissed on the yum, 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 (laughs) yum, yum. yum, yum. Five. Or it's give us you wee wee 69. Yeah. I want wee 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 wee. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's just wee. Wee. Well, from that to Ben Wheatley, because uh, our fifth and final film this month is Ben Wheatley's Sightseers, in which dippy 34-year-old Tina goes on a caravan in holiday with her new boyfriend, Chris, not realising that he's happy to murder anyone that he finds annoying. 
Sightseers. Banger. Yeah. I bloody love this film. I'll be honest grades. with you, I chose this subject so we could we could talk about sightseers because it's so good. Quite a hard sell with some people. Some people I think thought it was going to be more comedy than than horror. And then other sort of horror people are like, well, it's not that horror. There's too many funny bits. It's perfect. It's, I think it's great. It's I think it's perfect balance. And not only comedy and horror bits. But there are flashes of quite nasty gore, courtesy of former devil Dan Martin, and yes. um, some arty bits as well, some nice arty bits of dreamlike editing. I love the bit where he kills the guy with the dog poo complaint, and then you suddenly get a recording of, I think it's John Hurt reading William Blake's Jerusalem. Yeah. yeah. And those beautiful shots of the landscape, and there's one where I think it's like a cow skeleton or something, you can just see... Yeah, and then it cuts to the dead guy's wife pulling a shard of plate out of her foot, and it's just proper folk horror, that bit. Yeah. yeah. There's quite a lot there to do with the idea of the countryside being a place where grievances and the darkness and so on within people festers. Oh, I hate the countryside. I don't mind the countryside. What freaks me out is suburbia, but that's because that's where I grew up. Anyway, Alice Lowe and Steve Oram, who are both legends anyway, just... yeah. Absolutely knock it out of the park with this. You can tell that they're characters they've been playing for a long time. The the relationship is quite interesting because in the sense of like power dynamics shifting around and there's blanks that you can fill in in terms of, okay, how long has he been doing this? Oh, yeah, there's that bit where um, he's walking through the woods and says, I brought my last girlfriend here and she says, it's just a ditch. Yeah. That's just left hanging. It doesn't even, it's never even explained. Yeah, that's... suspect that's what happened to her i love how like when she starts killing he's like you're not doing it right yeah exactly <laughs> this is just chaos i need a plan yeah he's such a bloke my favorite line of his is when he overtakes the other caravan and goes fuck you i am the best get yeah. in <laughs> yeah <laughs> and she's just wonderful that character is so kind of again it's a type of character you don't quite see very often and it's sort of a shame that kind of like this arrest development woman rather than a bloke you know stuck with her mum and when she discovers sex for the first time that kind of excitement and they play every angle of that relationship which I think is was so good about it and it's just so well made and so funny and, and the stuff with her and her mum is really really oh. interesting as well because it was an accident so were you yeah 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 <laughs> you're not a friend you're a relative <laughs> <laughs> the really elaborate thing that when the mum's trying to get her attention later instead of just phoning her she's lying on the floor yeah. pressing her like alarm thingy that rings it and then after a while when it's not going to be answered she just gets up that's such yeah. a funny cut. That's such a funny like bit of editing. And there's a lot of really unusual choices as well. So it starts at the beginning where you've got the mum making that moaning noise, which is thinking about the dog, and that goes on for slightly too long. So yeah. initially it's funny, then it's disturbing, and then it's funny again. And just little details like at the start, it zooms in on Tina's certificates and it says that she's a dog psychologist. <laughs> and then yeah. later on, she talks to people like their dogs as well. It's just all these kind of like weird kind of guttural voices and so on. It's, it's <laughs> really freaky but it's also kind of like yeah i could see that somebody might potentially do that i was surprised that the two dogs are actually played by two different dogs i assume they got the same dog to play both but well union rules in it <laughs> yeah yeah after um that incident with john landis and the dogs yeah they, um... and the one with tom sizemore <laughs> <laughs> there's bits of dialogue in this film that are just absolutely amazing like the penultimate scene where she makes up all the stuff that the guy's meant to have said yeah he's like, he said he wanted to shit in my hand and make me Made me use it like a brown lipstick. Well, immediately after I watched Sightseers on Saturday night, I decided to watch Nuts in May, which, like mum and dad, I hated when I first saw it. 
And I've totally come round on it. It's fucking brilliant. That's a very, very good double bill there. Yeah, obviously Sightseers is massively based on Nuts in May. Same kind of dynamic, just just less killing. Although Candice Marie, Alison Stedman's character, does say, if I could take one of your lungs out and put it on the table in front of you and cut it in half, you'd be horrified. Oh, yeah. <laughs> There's definitely some, something of the serial killer in her, I think. There definitely is in him as well. Get back yeah. to your tenements! And the way that he's um, wielding that tree branch, you could almost imagine that Keith and Candice Marie have got a higher body count. You just don't see it in the in the film. It doesn't mean it doesn't happen. Yeah. It's really well observed, apart from the fact that Keith and Candice Maria from Croydon, as am I, and no one from Croydon speaks like they do. No one would call it the Queen's Tar when they visit the castle. The Queen's Tar. But in other ways, I felt very seen by that film. <laughs> Especially the way that Keith was ticking off all the spots on the um, tourist guide to the castle, rather than sort of taking them in and caring. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I think I'd do a bit of that. I think I'll walk a few steps ahead of my missus when we're going places just to get it over and done with quicker, I think. Because <laughs> I don't like the countryside, that's why. What do you think about the places they visit in Sightseers? Because I think they make quite a good job of like, I'd love to go to Mother Shipton's cave. That looks brilliantly weird. Yeah, I found myself thinking, actually, it looks all right. I'd totally go to the tram museum as well. I love a tram. My mate's been to the pencil museum. Uh, he found it odd, but... Well, yeah, that that one I imagine is kind of a lot of recordings, a lot of things that light up and really creepy, dusty (laughs) mannequins. I like those things. Deb hates those, um, what does she call them? Tableaus of, you know, automatons and that. They're kind of awful, but I kind of like them. So, yeah, that would be totally... But those sort of museums, no, I don't like those sort of tourist attractions. They're the sort of places you end up going to out of absolute desperation when you... Just in a terrible place where there's nothing to do. Only thing to do. Um, we went on holiday to somewhere in Devon once and there was a barometer museum. And <laughs> we're like, we're just not going to the barometer museum. We're not going to the bar- And we never did go to the barometer ah. museum. Oh. Even though the flyer did promise that you would see a banjo-shaped aneroid. And <laughs> I've always wanted to know what a banjo-shaped aneroid is. I think it's one of the things the Wizenator people sell as well. Yeah, I think so, yeah. That's one of their more advanced models. Yeah, $200. <laughs> All right, we're getting close to the end, so let's uh, go to our other new feature. But this one hasn't been getting much love so far. <laughs> Or at least it hasn't had any correct entries as yet, uh, which means we haven't had to give away any merch as prizes yet. Uh, I think this month is a little easier, though. You're about to hear clips from the five films we'll be covering on the next episode. Dialogue from two of them, music from one, music and a scream from another one, and just some sex noises from another. You don't have to identify the clips. You just have to figure out which subgenre or topic links them. Here we go. Stand by for some sex noises. I looked at this report by Padre Nardo, and there are many unexplained things. Sister Rosaria, Sister Sunta, they appear to have committed suicide. Like when I was playing with a bloody cook, my dad. What kind of gun? 
If you think you know the answer, email dx5podcast at gmail.com or DM us on Instagram, Facebook or Twitter. And of course, that's also how you get in touch with the Horror Help Desk. Well, we've all got other halves to get back to. Maybe we'll even go out with them and do some killing. What do you reckon? Yeah. It's a bit late for me, though. If you're going to do killing, I'll sort of start a little bit earlier. I'll get the caravan ready. Can I do a little plug quickly? Yes, of course. So 27th of March, our previous guest and good friend of mine, Mr. Phil Green, is bringing his tour show for Weddings and a Breakdown to the Comedia in Brighton. And I will be his opening act. Way. So oh, you get 20 minutes of me talking random weird bollocks. And then you get Phil's lovely heartfelt show, which is heavy on the sugar babes. Wicked. All right, then, people, you know what to do. Spend your money this month on a ticket to see Phil Green and Emily McQuaid at the Brighton Comedia. Or if you can't make it to the Brighton Comedia, uh, that discount code for the Wizenator <laughs> or the Ploppinator. Until next time, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.